0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Below the Fold, where gurus are gone, content is king, and where the macro conversions have taken the place of the Facebook likes as the marketing metric of choice. My name is Jacob Perry. Today I'm joined by Brandon Hassler and John Hammond. What's up, fellas?
1: Not much. How are you, buddy?
0: Good, man. Doing well over here. Nice. Let me introduce you to this episode's sponsor, It's 97th Floor, an award winning Moz recommended digital marketing agency located in Lehigh, Utah, and Orange County, California. They're known for driving bottom line value results for clients like Pluralsight, Dell, and Salesforce. Visit 97thFloor.com to learn more. All right, let me give you a rundown of what we're going to be talking about today. We've got a great show lined up for you. We're going to be talking Facebook Just Got More Pay to Play. Burger King with a side of clown. Amazon wants you to hand over your house keys. And finally, we'll talk about why millennials are so friggin' demanding. Let's get started.
2: Juice and Java. (laughs) All
0: right, fellas, let's get into the show. Current events today is brought to you by Brandon Hassler. Take us away, my man.
1: All right, we'll start with this Facebook news. I thought this was interesting. Uh, If you are a small business or you deal with paid advertising on Facebook, you are going to want to pay attention. Turn the volume up full blast for this one. Uh, so Facebook is testing out moving non-promoted posts out of the newsfeed. So they're testing this in six different countries. Uh, none of those are the U.S., obviously. But why basically, is that obvious? Well, that would be one ginormous test and piss a lot of people off. They always test out in like the obscure countries like Serbia, <laughs> Slovakia.
2: I'm sure their businesses Suri. are just killing it on the paid. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. If you have a small business in Serbia right now, you're hurting. But um, anyway, the the idea is that um, only so when you log into your news feed, there's essentially like two feeds. You have your main news feed, and that will only be posts from your friends and connections. And then uh, if it's not a friend or connection, then it will be ads. Um, so if you're you know Buzzfeed and you post an article on the Buzzfeed page. You know, back in the day, I shouldn't say back in the day. Right now, you know, it's like a small percentage of people will actually see it. That will go to zero unless you pay. Uh, that's what they're testing out They're, I guess the whole idea is they're just trying to make it feel more We're organic. They're just trying and
0: to make more money.
1: That's That as well. And less noise. So, yeah, I think you'd have to kind of go to like a different tab to then have a news feed that shows everything, including the pages that you follow. So... Really sucks. That's the, so the the narrative around this is a lot of people feel that this is going to be a huge punch in the gut to small publications, small businesses who can't afford to promote every single post just to try to get some more traffic. Thoughts?
0: Oh, I've never really cared about Facebook, so it's hard for me to get into this conversation.
1: Don't care about Facebook. Talking about the biggest social network on the planet. Yeah. And you're in marketing. That's true. You have to care.
0: No, I don't. <laughs> you just
1: hand that to someone
0: else. Facebook is not under my purview, my man. All right. Oh, yeah.
1: Fair enough. Hmm. What else? Uh, we also got uh, some... We'll save the clown for the last one. We got this Amazon. I'll let John take that one away.
2: Yeah. So Amazon just last Wednesday announced a new plan for home deliveries. Hand over the keys. That's what we're talking about. Amazon is going to start a new connected door lock and security camera system to let package carriers, guests, and eventually dog walkers in and out of customers' houses, all controlled via an app dubbed Amazon Key. For 250 bucks, you install this camera, this little lock, carriers scan the barcode of a package, click a button, it unlocks your door. You get notified. You can watch them come in, place the package, walk out. They click the app again. It locks the door and on their way and on your way.
1: Stupid idea.
2: Why is that stupid?
1: I don't want some stranger coming in my home, even if there's a camera. What I would rather have is a box on the outside that they could put to my package. Like a lockbox. Like a big old lockbox.
2: That's what they're doing in New York City in a lot of apartment buildings because I mean there's not a great place to put mail or packages. So they're doing that in some, but they say they're saying this is the next step forward. Well, here's the thing with a lockbox is it's not it's not
0: real like design friendly, you know, when people are like trying to get their porch all looking nice for whatever holiday, you got a big old fatty lockbox, especially if you've got like an awkward Sized package that may not fit in there. Here, here's a here's a solution. or you
1: dig a hole next to your porch, and then have it level <laughs> with the garden, and then they just unlock it, throw it in there.
0: And the, but first they got to find it. Sure. They're like, nah. What? Where's this guy's lockbox?
1: You have a special Amazon flower that's built on top that blends in.
0: <laughs> that's hilarious. So how about this? What if you have a specific part of your garage where the garage door can open? And then close, so they don't actually have access to your home, but then there's like a corner, a front corner of your garage that has a camera on it, and it opens up a little bit, they place it in that little corner, and it closes. Would that be better?
2: But what's the rate of people having garages?
0: What's the rate of people having front doors?
2: (laughs) A lot more than (laughs)
0: garages. Yeah, that's true. I guess you'd have to have a garage.
1: I would opt for the garage
2: option.
0: Do you have a garage, John?
2: Um. Uh, yes, I'm in a condo, but it's super mo- removed from my place. I'm okay with that. Okay. Yeah, yeah man.
0: Screw you. Walking like, down you, the stairs. I'm, I'm you've got a garage. The little man.
2: The little
1: man. <laughs> walking down the stairs, eating a bowl of cereal in your underwear, and all of a sudden, the uh, Amazon dude comes walking through. Like, hey, get no, your it's package, not, bud.
0: It's not an Amazon guy, is it? Yeah. It's not. Or it, the carrier. Yeah, like it's UPS or okay. FedEx or something. That makes yeah, it yeah. worse.
1: I want well, some guy in like tiny... Brown shorts, walking into my house, asking me how I'm doing.
2: The goal is, the reason behind it is because of porch pirates, especially during the holiday season.
0: Yeah, here's the thing. So Vivint Smart Home also has a solution for this, where you don't have to give the Amazon guy straight up access, but you have a doorbell camera that sees them and notifies you that they're there. And then you can come on and you can just say, hey, I'll unlock the door for you. And then you can watch them the whole time. They open it, they just put it right inside. They close it. The whole time you're watching, they know you're watching. And then as soon as they're gone, you click a little button on your app. You're at work, and throong, your door your door locks. Like that's that's kind of part of our messaging. We're actually putting together a cool video on porch piracy uh, that you can view here in the next few weeks. I'm okay.
1: excited
2: taking yeah. on Amazon.
0: Uh, so it, you know it's interesting because our competitor google is a competitor of ours right because they have google they've got nest and nest just came out with a whole product line of home security slash slash home automation uh amazon is one of our competitors uh kind of what's what's weird about this is that they're our competitors but also we have partnerships with them right we sell the nest we sell the echo so we have these partnerships but at the same time they're coming out with their own products this is this directly competes with because uh, if you look at the picture from the article, it shows a quick set lock, which is the lock that we use with uh, with our smart home technology. So anyway, hmm. you can either go the Amazon route or you can go the Vivint smart home route. You can give all the control to Amazon or you can maintain the control yourself.
1: Uh, and Vivint. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Okay, so that is Amazon. That's kind of cool. I think that's kind of cool. At least a first step in preventing porch piracy. Porch piracy has has gone up considerably over the last few years with Amazon getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and more people using it, and it being so convenient. In some places, you can get your package delivered within two to three hours. Las Vegas is one of those locations where you can get super fast delivery rather than two day shipping. You have you know you just wait a few hours and you get it. So with that. Uh, obviously you're going to have more people. Like I remember videos in the past where you have cars that are just following UPS guys around, and as they deliver their package, a car is just right behind them, picking them right up and throwing them in their car and just continue to follow the the UPS guy.
1: Wouldn't the cheaper solution, at least for the consumer side, wouldn't that be just move to a system where you pick delivery times? So,
0: Yeah, but then everyone would pick. After business hours,
1: hey, double your workforce, but more people would ship. Would you pay a premium if you had like an expensive fifteen hundred dollar package coming, and you could pay an extra fifteen dollars to say I want it Thursday night six thirty p.m. at my house, guaranteed? Would you pay the extra? No, I would.
0: I I don't honestly, to be perfectly honest, I wouldn't mind if they had access to opening my door, putting the package down, and then closing my door. That doesn't bother me at all. I mean, these guys. If if this becomes more and more prominent, these guys are going to open people's doors and close. Like the, the last thing on their mind is going to be like, oh, "I got to figure out how to break into this guy's house,"
1: hmm. right? Yeah.
0: Like people with jobs like this, they're not the ones you got to worry about. They're not the ones stealing your packages. They're the ones throwing your package on your porch. But if there's a camera, I bet they'll take better care of your your fragile stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's we true. we have so many. Uh, Videos that were captured and, and turned in by Vivint customers of couriers who were who just like throw their package on the porch. It's insane!
1: Wow, that's what someone did to mine yesterday they At threw Sam's it? Club. But granted, it was like a giant box full of smaller boxes of diapers. <laughs> but still, he just like f- throws it and walks out. Did
0: you have video? Uh huh. What 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 camera system do you have? Ring. Oh, you got the Ring. That's right. It's the doorbell camera.
1: mm Hmm. That's funny.
0: It's the big boxy one.
1: Uh, yes.
0: Have you seen August uh, smart lock and doorbell camera?
1: Like the company's called August? Yeah. Mm-mm.
0: You should check it out. They have a smart lock and a, a doorbell camera that works together. It's pretty cool. I, I mean, I'm a vivid guy and I almost bought the August lock. It's huge though. Okay. So that is Amazon in the news. After that, we're talking Burger King. So Burger King, we talked about last week. Burger King is killing it, man. Like this video they just came out with, it's called "Scary Clown Night." I mean, not the most creative uh, campaign name, but uh, essentially they came out with a video. I, I would show or I would I would share a clip, but there's only one line at the very end. I mean, most of it's just music, right? There's mm-hmm. like there's no lines. Let me see if I can pull this up and play the uh,
2: just play the music, man.
0: Just play the music. All right, here we go. Let's see if I can get this in here. Yeah, this is, I mean, you watch this, and it's it's definitely like a, a Stranger Things-themed video. And then here it comes.
3: I want my Whopper.
0: I want my Whopper. So, Scary Clown Night is basically Burger King's campaign. If you dress like a clown on Halloween and go to one of the five locations around the country, they'll give you a free Whopper.
1: Miami, Boston, L.A., Austin, and Salt Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City,
0: baby. They say Salt Lake City. It's actually in West Valley. Yeah. So if you live uh, in or around West Valley and don't mind dressing up like a clown for a gross hamburger, then head on over to 3975
2: West, 4700 South in West Valley and get your free Whopper. My question for you guys is, is this an attack on McDonald's, a play on it? or a play on last year's scary clown frenzy or is it all three? There's uh it's probably all three all of the above.
0: Yeah, they've I mean they've got a reputation for kind of like digging on McDonald's. Uh the last I mean the very first uh clown that you see and the last the one that's
1: like I want my whopper. It's clearly Ronald of McDonald. Yeah,
0: it's like it's like Ronald it's it was really like Pennywise in a Ronald McDonald outfit. Mix, yeah. Uh yeah, so they've got this play on on Stranger Things, right? It's mm-hmm. definitely got a Stranger Things feel with the young kid and the bike. And then uh, all the clowns and then, uh, I mean, I didn't see it, but I've seen, I mean, the makeup he's wearing has kind of it, uh, you know, makeup or whatever. I, I, th- I think it's awesome. I, the video is awesome. The campaign, I think, is stupid. Like, they're only giving 500 free Whoppers to the first 500 clowns. And it's like five locations around the country. I can't even imagine how much money they spend on this video. Yeah. Like, there's no way this video is created. For the purpose of getting people to their restaurants, like it's just part of their marketing campaign. Because five locations around the country, like this is this is virality. They're hoping people share this video and people watch it. And I mean, it is it's high quality production. This video is awesome. It was super fun to watch. But like I'm I I I live near this location. I'm not going to put on a clown outfit and go get a free Whopper. Like like the cost
1: doesn't it make you feel a little bit more. Obligated to go because you happen to live next to no, one does, of five it, Burger Kings.
0: It, it does not make me feel more obligated. It does make me feel special. Like, oh dang! Out of five, out of like all the places in the world mm-hmm. where Burger King is and where they could be doing it, they're doing it in my city.
1: Yeah, and of all places. Yeah, I don't. So I, like, I, like I want like Vegas I, got packed, passed up, and much bigger cities than.
0: Well, if you think about it, like none of these are like the biggest cities. Right? I mean, Salt Lake is the biggest city in Utah. Austin, not even close to the biggest city in Texas. Burbank is like a no-name freaking city in California. About, this says Miami
2: Beach. I think it's just outside of Miami Beach. How about Framington, Framingham?
0: Yeah. Framingham, Massachusetts. What is that? You said Boston. Oh, well, they say it says near, in Boston. Nah. Yeah, it's near Boston. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so... Yeah, this is definitely a ploy to just make this video and get some virality and some social shares, which they'll get for sure. But yeah, this whole thing is like, well, let's make a cool video, but we might as well give some hamburgers away. So total, they're giving away, I mean, if it's 500 per location with five locations, 2,500 hamburgers, that's like nothing. They They spent 100 times that much just producing this video than they are in giving away free hamburgers.
1: So you would say it's a good campaign.
0: It's a it's a cool campaign worth sharing and worth watching and worth sharing. Oh wait, I said that already.
1: <laughs>
0: but agree. no, I I like it's not I and I don't think that their goal was let's get people to Burger King. Watch the video though. Just just uh Google Scary Clown Night Burger King or something like that, and you'll find the video. Watch it. it's it's a it's it's pretty cool.
1: It's on our Facebook page as well. Cool. Number 17 Number 17 on trending on YouTube right now.
0: Number 17? Yep. Has it been higher than that? I don't think so. So 17 is the highest it's gotten. How many views does it have currently?
1: 183,000 views. How
0: long has it been live? One day. One day, 183,000? Yep. I'd say that's pretty viral.
3: Yeah?
1: It's not bad.
0: You ever had a video go that fast?
1: No, sir. Hmm.
0: I'd be curious to know what Burger King's most successful video is uh, by views.
1: I'll look that up as we proceed. Yeah, look that up. All right, thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Okay. So, and I have the answer. Okay. <laughs> nice. It's the bullying video. Bowling. Bullying. Oh, bullying. The one we watched last week.
0: How many views is that up to?
1: 2.3 million.
0: 2.3 million. By
1: far their biggest video.
0: What's the next one?
1: Um. Wait, is this right? Hold on.
0: You didn't sort it, did you?
1: I did. Sort by most popular. Because then it's showing the uh, the Whopper toothpaste is number two with uh, 72,000 views.
0: Well, that can be number two because you just yeah. told me that the other one has 183,000.
1: It's like not even showing up, the clown one.
0: I wonder how many subscriptions they got out of the bullying one, and then now they're just riding the wave of their new subscribers. Is that yeah, a I don't thing? Know. Yeah, I don't know. Could be. Cool. So that's Burger King. Like, the more, like, seriously, being a marketer and seeing their marketing tactics, at least in their videos, is, like, I respect them enough to where right now I'm thinking, I haven't been to Burger King in at least 10 years. I should go buy, like, some fries from them or something just to show them I care and that that I appreciate the content that they're producing.
2: Yeah, we've talked about it, like, three times this season, and I just, I might just go get something at Burger King.
0: We should reach out to them and see if they'll sponsor the show. Okay. All right. Okay. Let that's current events. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about, or uh, bring up, or debate, or waste time on?
1: Let's waste time on the next segment of the show. Yeah, I love wasting
0: time. All right. So there was a new report that was released this month by the Association of National Advertisers. You know, what's probably the most uh, the the thing that's most on their mind and that they're most concerned about right now.
1: The You're saying the committee?
0: The, com- the 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 association. Yeah, the Association of National Advertisers. Just tell me, advertising, advertisers, people who are over the Association of the Nations, advertisers of people who want more than anything else to grow and get more and more advertisers and get recruits out of college, becoming advertising. What do you think is the number one thing on their mind right now?
1: Well, if you're talking about the future... I'm thinking millennials.
0: Millennials, that's right. So what's happening is this report is in response to to information and data that came out last year showing that there's a, a significant decrease to the amount of students leaving high school and entering the advertising industry, advertising, not marketing, right? Advertising, traditional market or traditional advertising agencies, things like that. You think about Mad Men, right? So Mad Men, in what decade did that take place? The '60s. Yep. So you got the 60s where advertising was like booming. It was booming. And and now they're coming out with reports showing that the newest generation, the millennials of the world aren't interested in advertising. And they 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 came out with a study and a report that talks not only advertising but also digital marketing and other industries within that same niche. So we're going to talk about that. So, I've got I've got their report. It's called Bridging the Talent Disconnect: Charting the Pathways to Future Growth. And this was published by the Association of National Advertisers. Let me give the background, okay? So this is what it says in the executive summary of this report. In 2016, the ANA Education Educational Foundation responded to the growing concern in the marketing and advertising industries about the challenge of attracting and retaining the best entry-level talent. First of all, does this surprise you at all? Does it surprise you that more and more people are choosing other career paths?
1: Like versus, no, I'm not surprised. You're I'm not, not surprised. surprised no.
0: Why? I think. I mean, all of us are millennials. Okay. This defines millennials as anyone who was born between 1981 and 1997. Okay. So we, we, the three of us were millennials. This is talking about us. Why aren't you surprised?
2: I, I think uh, because I just blanked on my thought. Brandon. Go for it.
0: You're saying so. Brandon, take a
2: moment and save John. Oh, I figured it out. All right. It came back to me. <laughs> <laughs> so millennials. So trust in traditional brands and trust in traditional marketing is decreasing. Every year people trust. What,
0: what do you mean by traditional brands? Brands. Like marketing. brands that have been around a long time? What yeah. do you mean? Yeah. Is just, that what you mean? Like yeah, Coke? Or just Coke? Like, Nike. Or,
2: yeah, anytime you just see an ad from a company that traditional style of marketing or advertising, people just don't respond to it as well anymore.
0: because they're educated. They know that it's advertising. Yeah. It's meant to get them to buy their product. So they're, in other words, they're jaded to advertising. Exactly. Okay. So you think that that is a reason why why millennials are staying away from it because they see it as like I want to do something more meaningful. I don't want to be in a job where I'm just meant to trick people into buying my product yeah they
2: don't want to be selling to them for the man they want to be fighting the man okay
0: so what you're saying is you don't care that you're duping people and that's why you're in this industry (laughs) hey what do you got brandon
1: i think also the, the other thing that contributes to that is that advertising is not a tangible thing uh when people watch lebron james dribble the ball down the court they can see wow i would love to do that as my job Or they go to the doctor's office and the doctor's performing surgery. Wow, I would love to do that. And you look at this boom in code and tech and people are, uh, you know, you have Shark Tank and like people are seeing these ideas of, wow, this guy just made a million dollars making this stupid app type thing. And so people are gravitating towards that. Whereas marketing, even though every single person who uses the internet or steps outside of their house is influenced by it and is using it, they don't think about that. When they search something on Google, they're not thinking, I would love to be the person who got this to rank number one. Most people don't even know that there's a ranking system in place. They just think it magically. Like Google's just smart, and they know exactly what uh, to rank, that there's not billions of dollars being spent behind the scenes of optimizing for these algorithms, algorithms and stuff like that. And billboards, like they read the billboard, they move on. So I think that's what's hurting is there is this big movement in America, especially among millennials, in my opinion, where people are looking for uh, – they're trying to make the next billion-dollar company, the next Uber, the next flappy bird app type thing. And that's more attractive than I want to go into advertising. So you're saying with that, slogans.
0: that people are more interested in working for the tech companies creating specific software or – Products or whatever, rather than being the the person who's marketing it. Uh,
1: yes. Okay.
0: Yeah. In fact, that is actually one of the things that's brought up in this report. I'm gonna I'm gonna grab a couple things, um, and then I, I want to switch to kind of a my own personal study that I did earlier today. I'll get into that in a second. So, what it says here, first of all, l- let me just state that this study. Was done, uh, it was surveying all stakeholder perspectives, including C-suite executives, line managers, and human resource recruiters, deans and profession uh, professionals, sorry, deans and professors from both public and private institutions and current students and recent new hires to the industry. So they're getting a full spectrum of people who are in the C-suite down to the manager level, down to new hires, and then they go to the education route and talk to deans and professors all in the industry to try to get a full perspective on what what the issues may be so they can make educated and uh, insightful decisions on how to get more people into the industry. Okay, so the three core objectives in this survey. One, better understand the dimensions and causes of the talent problem. That's what they're calling it. Two, identify potential remedies to both attract and prepare top talent to enter and excel in the marketing and advertising industries. And three, inform, inspire, and instruct talent acquisition and retention. So... The core findings, marketers and the agencies that work with them are facing an unprecedented talent challenge or, quote, talent disconnect. As millennials look to other seemingly more appealing fields to build careers, this is driven in large measure by a lack of common vision, vocabulary, and perceived relevance among marketers, young professionals, and the schools that are expected to educate them. Overall, the report concludes students are unclear about career paths in marketing and advertising and and question whether it constitutes, quote, meaningful work. So I think that goes back to what John was talking about. At the same time, universities are scrambling to develop curricula that anticipates rapidly changing industry realities. What do you think a good solution for that is, Brandon?
1: Maybe, uh, I don't know, something like market campus. Yeah,
0: boot camps, right? they're conflicted by the desire to prepare the job-ready graduates and industry demands and provide an education that develops the broad uh, critical thinking capabilities needed for future leadership in society listen to this part all of this as marketers and ad agencies struggle to decipher and adapt to the millennial mindset while being frustrated that recent graduates are often unprepared to enter the job field is that i mean that's like that's talking about us The people who are hiring people like us are worried that we are not prepared to enter the field. I like that. There are significant reasons for this disconnect. I'm going to read just a few here. Digital transformation complicates new marketing and advertising career paths. I don't really know what that means, and I'm not going to get into it. College and university curricula cannot keep pace with the rapid change going on in the industry. That's two. Three. Marketers and agencies are now directly—they now directly compete with technology companies— For highly skilled talent. That's exactly what you were talking about, Brandon. Dang, I was not prepared for you guys to pull all this stuff out. Number four, (laughs) great expectations are defining today's crop of young talent. Let me go into that a little bit. Young talent often seeks purpose in their work along with creative job environments like those established by the startup and tech culture like Roe. Many also feel they're not getting the level of respectability and opportunities for rapid advancement they expect, fostering more frequent job turnover. Millennials want to get promoted more often. They want to get raises more often. They want their gift cards, and they want their money. They want to be praised, and they want to be—you know why? Because everyone got a trophy in baseball.
2: Yeah. Um, In 2006, author Ron Alsop, i just looked this up—called Millennials Trophy Kids, and that's because— Growing up, they always got a trophy, even if they took last place.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to take a quick break. I want to get back into this with some statistics about millennials, and uh, but earlier today, I went on inbound.org, which is one of our favorite sites, right, Brandon? Oh yeah. I went to inbound.org and there was an article on there. I should pull this up so I'm not just like talking out of my my booty. There was a. It wasn't an article. It was a discussion, right? We all know how they love their discussions. Actually, you know what? I'm starting to feel like a lot of the discussions are being generated by the moderators. They're like, hey, uh, like this is dying down. We need to...
1: Got to stir the pot. We yep. got
0: Yeah, we got to stir the pot. Uh, okay, so this discussion was specifically about... It was answering the question. This is the question that was brought up. What do young marketers look for in an employer? Okay, so when I see young marketers, millennials. What do millennials look for... In an employer. And I read every single comment. I wrote down kind of what they were looking for in an employer. And then when there were duplicates, I tallied it. Okay. And then I, I I basically got a list of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven things that were kind of the top things people were looking for as millennials. I want you guys to kind of guess. If you could guess what people were looking for in an employer as a millennial, and this should be, easier, be easy because you guys are millennials. You're probably looking for the same things. What would they be?
1: Uh, one thing that comes to mind, a product slash service that they themselves believe in.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah. That was not one of the things. How about being treated with
1: respect or fairness?
2: Nope. Wow. You guys. Flexibility. Flexibility.
1: Like the, like, well, I, I was going to, you're saying schedule flexibility?
0: What does schedule flexibility mean? Like, oh, like I see work. What you're saying
1: I'm thinking flexibility in their like creative marketing efforts.
0: Oh, no. Not I'm talking like, about, uh, you
1: guys can't say this and you can't say this. We do it this way.
0: Yeah, so I think that I think that goes into fle- when someone says flexibility, uh so what what mostly was talking about when people were talking about flexibility is like working remote, right? Like being able to work where when and where they want in the environment they want. It's kind of like a results only thing where it's like, Hey, I want to be able to work wherever I want, but still like that's where I that's where I get my work done. Some people were predicting that in the next ten years, the nine to five will be gone. Which I think it will. You think so? Yeah, I think it'll always be there.
1: I mean, it'll be there. I think for like retail, brick and mortar type stuff. Okay, I think people but, like, like office the 9-to-5. jobs. But yeah, like as tech companies grow and whatnot, if you're in an internet-based job, I don't see the nine to five sticking around.
3: Yeah,
0: I, I, in that time I, I think frame. it's I think it's going to take a little bit longer than ten years. I'm thinking the millennials are the ones that are going to make that change. And when they're in the C-suite positions, I think that's when those decisions are going to be made. I think it'll be highly influenced by them, right? Because they're moving up into the manager and director roles, <clears throat> excuse me. But uh, once they kind of hit that C-suite, I think that's when the the rubber's going to hit the road as far as the nine to five. And I think we're further out than 10 years. Mm. Okay. So here, here's where, here's here's the categories. So working remote slash flexibility, better communication, continued education, fire the bad employees, growth within the company, mentorships, and autonomy. So autonomy, I think, is what you were saying, is in my work, I want to be able to start to finish, have autonomy, so that I can have full responsibility and ownership over my projects. Is that kind of what you are saying? Yeah. Okay. Someone's phone is definitely not on silent right now.
1: Sorry, guys. Holy
0: cow. My bad, my bad. So out of those, working remote slash flexibility – was tied for first. There are three on here that were tied for first as I'm tallying these up. Number two, continued education. So people people who are coming out of college and, and joining jobs or, or taking jobs in these companies, they're looking for them to provide continued education in both traditional education, whether that be an MBA, or PhD, or whatever, and kind of more uh, career niche-focused specialties, like maybe a market campus, where you get a certification, you know, stating you are, you now know digital marketing or PPC or SEO or whatever. <clears throat> the third one, which was really surprising to me, is mentorships. So millennials and young marketers are looking for mentorships from the older generation to help them through the ranks. I talked to my boss about this today, and he has an opinion. We should probably bring him on at some point. But he has an opinion that they want uh They want continued education and mentorship because they leave college not knowing jack crap. And this is their way of getting a job and and being able to receive this education
2: while getting paid, basically. For not knowing jack crap coming out of college, do you think that's the college failure of the system or is it the individual's failure?
0: Well, I think it's both. So I think there is a mentality where people they think while well, i'm paying thousands and thousands of dollars the the this college or wherever i'm going this institution of education should give me all the information that i need i don't think there's enough responsibility or uh accountability to maybe i'm included in this like i'm i'm basically describing myself where i went to college thinking i just need this piece of paper like i i don't need the knowledge i just need this piece of paper saying i i i air quotes got this knowledge <clears throat> and then it wasn't until I entered the field where I was like, holy cow, like I need to step up my game. I need to learn how to do this stuff. But in our industry specifically, and we've talked at nauseum about this on the show, is that colleges are not equipped to teach digital marketing or any field within digital marketing well because they have too much red tape when approving curriculum, right? So by the time curriculum... Is in a textbook, which, by the way, if you're printing a textbook for digital marketing, you're already too late. You're already too late. Uh, so, both, I think that students need to take more responsibility in their own education, uh, uh, which I think some are with like internships. Internships are way more popular now than than when I was in college. I, I wasn't. I was in college. It wasn't even that long ago that I was in college, <clears throat> but I'm seeing way more, way more kids even after they graduate. People are getting internships. They're getting internships
2: after they have their degree. I did. That's insane. Why? Why would you do that? I did not. My didn't enjoy my current employer and I wanted to get out and gain skills cuz I didn't feel like I did have the skill. For instance, I felt unprepared when I left college for a full-time job in digital marketing. And so, what did I do? I got extra learning. So
0: so John, tell me this. Do you think that a job right out of high school is for, uh, like an entry level position should be used as training or you should be able to hit the ground running right out of high school sorry right out of college we're not talking if i say high school we're not talking high school i know yeah no. okay, high school come on what do you think college you're out of college i think i think like this isn't a this isn't a jab at you but i do think that if
2: people are graduating college and going to an internship like something's wrong well, I had a full time job and then I did an internship on top of that.
0: Well, let's get specific.
2: Where were you working? So I was working for a health foods company called Better Body Foods.
0: And you were doing an internship at the same time? Yeah. With whom?
2: I actually did one with my Market man, Campus. Market Campus. I remember that. 97th floor. So you were doing that to get extra work
0: or experience? Yeah. And then uh, now you work at 97th floor? Yeah. So, do you think that that was helpful in getting kind of your foot in the door? Oh, easily. Because you left the internship, and then there was a period of time where you weren't there, right? No, you didn't. No. Oh, you went straight into it from internship?
2: No, I went back to Better Body
0: Fitness. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so th- that's not really the topic. We can no. probably spend some time on that. But working remote slash flexibility, continued education, and mentorships were the top three things. On this, uh, like this is not a study <laughs> that I'm pulling out. This is... Me just counting how many people were saying what something on on like a forum, right? The question was asked, and this is you know I don't know a couple dozen people responded, and that's.
1: Can you expound on the mentorships aspect? Like they want a boss or a leader who, not just someone who tells them what to do, but someone who inspires them and encourages them to grow. I I think it's more.
0: I I mean that's part of it. I wouldn't put that in that order as far as the order of importance. When it, with a mentorship, really, what I see the value out of is basically, you have a mentorship. They know your situation. They know the position that you're in. You go to them and, and you say, "Hey, the, this is these are my goals, right? I want to I want a promotion to this position within X amount of time. I want to be making this much money. Like, like you basically lay out your career path to this mentor who has gone through it, right? Or at least a career path because these mentorships. I mean, digital marketing is such an emerging industry, that any mentorship that you have typically didn't start in, in digital marketing, but you have someone who, who can guide you, who can be like, yeah, like, don't waste your time doing this. Here's what you can do to be the most efficient. Here's how you can showcase, uh, your abilities and your skills in the best possible way. It's someone who's, who's encouraging you to go to your boss and say, Hey, this is my career path. This is what I want. Please help me. Like it helps you navigate the communication Kind of footholds of your career to help you uh, get there faster, to help you feel more confident in the path that you're taking, to confirm and validate the choices that you're making. Like that's that's how I see a uh, a mentor being super effective. Not not like a therapist who's just sitting there listening to you complain about your job. You know what I mean?
1: That makes sense.
0: Do you do you like? Are you are are either of you interested in having a mentor?
1: Uh, yeah.
0: You are. Definitely. Who would you want as a mentor? I'm I mean I'm available. I'm offering up my my mentorship hours.
1: Well, if it's a, if the offer is on the table.
0: All right. I'll even do it for free. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, seriously, like uh if you could choose any mentor, anyone. Anyone. Gary Vaynerchuk. You want Gary V to be your 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 mentor? Tell me. Who do you want to be your mentor?
1: Um, I don't know. I don't have Mark like a Cuban. specific. You
0: want Mark Cuban. No.
1: Really? Like I don't know. Like I don't really, I don't get into like the oh I get to pick any celebrity. Like I could have Mark Zuckerberg mentor me. Okay,
0: no celebrity. Who do you want?
1: I don't know. I, I don't have like. Oh, you a don't have specific. someone specific. Like I have like. Wh- what would you I look have mentors, for in a uh, But like they're not like an established mentor type people. But uh, like you haven't
0: gone to them and said, "Hey, will you be my mentor?" And they said, "Sure." No. And you have yeah, it, like correct. Like something on the calendar. It's every Not month. a Seinfeld protege.
1: but there's people where in certain areas of life, they are, they have a lot more experience and I can always draw from that experience when I need. Uh, Do we have like mentorship sessions and stuff like that? No, but you build up those contacts. And so I kind of feel that is what mentorship is to me is people who are not maybe famous or whatnot, um, but they have experience in certain areas. Then I lean on them for that uh but within a company i could definitely see if you have like a boss like i thought at 97th floor i thought Wayne was a really good mentor like he he put a lot of focus in building up that culture inspiring and tr- there was a lot of emphasis on training um and that's night and day different from many other jobs where it's just show up get the work done get out of here good job type thing um whereas at the time then at least it was uh there was definitely kind of that mentoring Uh, aspect of the job where you felt like you were not just showing up to work, but you were showing up to learn as well.
0: So as an employer, is that the kind of culture that you would want to establish is where you're hiring people who have the expectation that they get a job and they're there to learn and not work,
1: not learn. Like there is, I have noticed a lot of people just want on the job training. I want to be in broadcasting. So KSL should hire me and they're going to teach me how to work the camera and stuff like that, they don't really want to put in the initial work, uh, but someone who does know they have experience with camera operation and whatnot, uh, but they want to still get better like I know how to do marketing, but I still would like to show up to a job where I am being taught I'm learning and whatnot because no matter what field you're in, you're always going to be learning especially in marketing.
0: Yeah let me put that in let me put what you said in other words and see if that jives with what what you're trying to say. Because <clears throat> in my mind, somebody should who has an entry-level position, they should have some idea of what the job is, right? Because they went to college for this or, or, or they have personal experience. It was a hobby, whatever. They should come to the job, entry-level, and know how to do the job, but not know the company, right? Or the intricacies of the red tape that they need to—or the loops or holes or hoops that they need to jump through in order to, to get their job done. Those are the things that should be taught. Right, someone comes to Vivent. I'll teach you where how to get through our legal department. I'll teach you, you know, how to submit a creative brief to our uh, our creative team. Like those are things that I can teach you, but I don't want to teach you marketing. You should already know marketing, right? Because you just graduated four years, you learned marketing. You should come in day one. You should be able to say, "Hey, here's a gap in your in in your marketing strategy. Let's go there." You should be able to do that so when you're talking about learning i think learning is fine you can learn the intricacies and the nuances of the company and even beyond that i think that you can start learning responsibilities or learning information or knowledge gain that knowledge that allows you to get promotions and and kind of progress through the 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 company right mm-hmm. so that's like you you likely won't get an entry level position where you're doing you know projected gains and losses and, and balancing a spreadsheet and you're in charge of the, the several million dollars worth of budget that is spent every, every year, or every month, or however often that's being, that's being spent, but you can learn that, right? You're learning P&L practices that allow you to progress from the entry level on to, I mean, p that's, that's more of like a director level. So you may, you may not go from entry to, to whatever, but you know, you get management skills, right? Entry level, you're typically not a manager. So you learn from your leaders, your leadership on how to communicate with others, how to mentor and uh, help others within the team progress and learn and be more effective. Yeah, I think those things should be learned. But the industry stuff, the marketing, I think that should be on you. And, it, and if if you don't have the necessary information or knowledge, then you should be the one who goes and gets it? You're, I mean, even if that is going to your boss and saying, hey, I want to go to this conference, or hey, I want to go through Market Campus, or hey, I want you to pay for this seminar or whatever, I think that's fine. Right. But I don't think you should expect your boss to come to you and say, hey, are you interested in joining Market Campus? Because I don't think you have enough knowledge and I would like to get you to a point where you're worth your paycheck. Like you should, I don't think you should wait for your boss or your leadership to come to you. You should understand your own strengths and weaknesses and go to your leadership and say, hey, I'd really appreciate it if, if, if you guys would front the bill for something like a market campus to help progress my knowledge, its benefits, win-win. I get the, the knowledge. I get to put on my resume. I get to build up my, you know, whatever. And you, as the company, get an employee who has more knowledge that can be applied to your bottom line.
1: My favorite quote from, or not my favorite, one of my favorite quotes from Steve Jobs was, it doesn't make sense to hire smart people and tell them what to do. We hire smart people so that they can tell us what to do. You like that? I think that's a good one. And I think that applies on, like, the reason you got the job is because the company believes that you're bringing something to the table. And going back to the college and preparation aspect of the conversation, I think one of the things that colleges fail at or at least could do a better job is teaching the students that they need to sell themselves. Uh, You really learn that when you either try to start your own business or you go freelance. Uh, If I want to do freelance work for Vivint, I can't just show up and say, hey, where do I interview for a freelance work Uh, and can I get the job type thing? Uh, You you have to sell yourself. You have to convince that company that the reason they're going to give you money is because you're going to provide X value. People don't. It really, I mean a freelance gig and a full-time job, there's not a big difference between what you're doing. Uh, the differences are just in the contracts and stuff like that. But if we viewed our jobs as we like the like my boss has hired me because I have an expertise in something. so I am going to suggest things. I am going to express my opinion and 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 take the initiative to do stuff and not just wait to hear orders. You're gonna have a much better career outlook if you act if you if you take that mindset of I could be fired anytime, just like a freelancer, uh, and I need to earn this job. It's not just given to you. Whereas I don't think that a lot of brand new, fresh out of college millennials haven't experienced that yet.
0: Meaning that you think that they're entitled. So they A come, little bit they of an come, entitlement. Like, come, hey, I put in my
1: four years, I got my degree here, you're you're hiring for a position that pays X. I've, like I said, I went to college, I've done all this, so I should, my odds are high of getting the job because that's just the expectation. Hmm. Whereas the second you step out into like the freelance world, you realize the reality of companies only give money to people who provide value. So you need to learn how to sell yourself and really show the value you bring, not just learn how to answer, uh, if you were a box of chocolate, um, which chocolate would you be? And how would you react to this? And how have you been able to turn a failure into a success? Like everyone just focuses on those questions. They don't focus on, hey, look, you want to pay me 60000 a year? Here's how I'm going to make you guys 120000 a year. I'm going to do this, 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 this.
0: So, Brandon, uh, what type of chocolate would you be?
1: Mm, maybe uh, dark chocolate because no one likes dark chocolate. <laughs> and I don't have many friends. You
0: know what? That's a perfect answer for a job interview. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm like, I don't have any friends. No one likes me. So I got a lot of time to work on this company. Nice. <laughs> Good spin. Nice.
0: <laughs> okay. So let me, let me real quickly go back to the report. The, this study that I mentioned, you know, a few minutes ago, there are a couple of things that I want to bring up that, that stunned me a little bit. <clears throat> a McKinley's part, uh sorry, a McKinley partners marketing study highlights what skills are most in demand for 2017 as seen in, the, uh, in this uh, graph I'm about to mention? Which, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list these off, and then we're going to talk about how much demand and supply there are for that specific industry. Digital marketing, creative services, marketing operations, research and analysis, communications, relationship management, product marketing, and traditional marketing. Out of all of those, which do you think has the most demand?
1: Demand for positions filled? Yes. Um, I was thinking of all of them at once. You want me to read them again? I thought you were going to say, is this an industry that all of the above, yes or no? No. Yeah, reread those again.
0: Digital marketing, creative services, marketing operations, research and analysis, communications, relationship management, product marketing, and traditional marketing. Which of all of those have the most demand for new people in the industry?
1: I'm gonna guess product marketing.
0: Product marketing. What about you, John? Um, Research, research and analysis. Yep. It's digital marketing by far. Interesting. So so on here, this—I mean, this is this is using percentages, and I'm—and I I imagine that it's uh, out of 100% of the demand. No, it can't be. As I'm adding these up, it's way more than 100. Anyway, this has a 56%. Demand for digital marketing with only a 24% active supply. So half. There are double the amount of jobs posted than people to fill them.
1: That is surprising. Isn't
0: that, isn't that surprising? Yeah. You said product marketing. There's actually more supply than demand in product marketing. Hmm. There, Yeah, so this has 21% supply. 20% demand, which means there are, there's 1%. I'm probably reading this wrong, but 1% one percent of product marketers out there can't get jobs because they're all filled. And then you said research and analysis. So 25% demand, 20% supply. I mean, I'll show you this graph here. You can see how huge the difference is and how much demand there is for digital marketing compared to the supply. I mean, it's insane. Okay. Mm. Okay. A couple other things. Students aren't necessarily thinking about what kinds of skills they need to take up a career in marketing or advertising. They are more worried about getting that first job out of college. The path to getting that first job is primarily through securing internships that demonstrate that they can contribute right away. I hate that. Okay, this is is the last part I'm going to get into. And I'm going to test you. This is the last test, and then we're going to get into uh, the end of the show. <clears throat> there are three types three generations that are currently in the workforce, baby boomers, Gen Xers, and millennials. Currently, which of the three generations make up the majority of the workforce? Um. I'm actually saying that wrong. It's not a majority. It's not 51%. Which of them represent the most? The biggest percentage. Yeah, which of them have the biggest percentage in the workforce? It was uh,
1: millennials.
0: Gen Xers and boomers. So basically us, your parents, and your grandparents.
1: Uh, I'm going to say Gen Xers.
0: Gen Xers. What about you, John? Millennials. Millennials. Okay, so since Q1 of 2015, millennials took the lead. Dang. Barely. Barely.
1: I thought millennials just don't want to work. I figured they just like to sit around and complain about not having a job.
0: Oh, no. They all have jobs. They just don't work in their jobs. Oh, okay. Dang it. Yeah. So I
1: misinterpreted the question. When you (laughs) say they, don't you mean you? Yeah,
2: Yeah. me too.
0: I'm in there. Okay. So boomers only make up 29%. Gen Xers 34%. Millennials 34%. But when you break down the actual numbers, Gen Xers are 52.7 million. This is Q1 of 2015. And millennials... 53.5 53.5 million. So we're talking a difference of 0.8 million. So 800,000. In in Q1 of 2015, there were 800,000 more millennials in the workforce than Gen Xers. Let me read this last thing. Workforce demographics are dramatically shifting. In Q1 2015, the millennial generation represented the largest percentage of the workforce, surpassing Generation X and the baby boomers. Labor Projections indicate that by 2020, the millennial segment will represent close to 50% of the workforce. And by 2025, it will represent 75% of the total workforce. Is that insane? So that's what I'm talking about. Well, yeah. So by 2025, you have most of of it millennials, but we're still entry level. I mean, this goes to 1997. So millennials, according to this, go from 1981 to 1997. How old are kids in 1997? 20 years old. They're turning 20 years old this year. So millennials are turning 20. That's like they're still in college. So the workforce by 2025, which is, you know, eight years from now, almost, I mean, seven, eight years from now, these guys are going to be 27, the youngest ones. And how old will the 1981 kids be? 77 to today is 40. So you take away four, 36. Is that true? Did I just do my math right?
2: Uh, they're going to be older than that. Is that true? 2025 to 81.
0: Oh, 2025.
2: They're 30. 40. They're, they're, they're 36. They're today. Right now. Yeah, they're going to be 44.
0: They're going to be 44. So, 44, you can have C suite people at 44. You're going to start seeing a big change uh, in the early 2020s with, uh, with nine to five type jobs. There you go. Millennials. Why are they so freaking demanding?
1: I feel like society has a different definition of millennials than the technical definition of millennials.
0: What's the technical definition of millennials? Like
1: you were born within this age range, whereas I think a lot of people when they say, like, damn millennials, they're picturing some, you know, kid with a beanie and tight pants sitting on his MacBook, oh, sipping totally. his coffee at Starbucks. Because I'm 32. Complaining I'm, about America yeah. on his blog.
0: I'm 32 years old. I wear flannel collared shirts with jeans. And, does that sound millennial? I don't know. I didn't think it <laughs> okay. was until I just said that out loud. Uh, but no. I, like, How tight are those jeans? No, they're not tight. You know, they're just like bootleg jeans or boot, whatever those, whatever the boot fit. Cut. Boot cut jeans. Anyway, I don't think that I fit the mold of what society, as you say it, uh, considers. Like, so I,
1: I feel like the term millennial is slowly becoming almost like an insult.
0: Yeah, yeah totally. It makes totally sense? is. Totally.
1: Even though it's a technical definition,
0: would you be? Would you rather be called a gen wire?
1: Um, I don't care to be called either. I'm Brandon Hassler. (laughs) I want to be called. I'm a person with a heart.
0: (laughs) Okay, so that's the end of the show. Let me let me do some quick ending uh things here. Starting next week in November, we're going to start a month long celebration of Black Hat tactics that's kind of misleading it's actually not black hat it's more hacks so digital marketing hacks we're going to bring in one guest per week let, let me give a little bit more context here yesterday was black hat day at 97th floor john what is black hat day
2: black hat day is a celebration of digital marketing in its darkest hours what is, that, I, what, is that their tagline is that no, that was mine i just came up with it okay what
0: so no 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 tell tell me what yeah, What happens during Black so Hack Day? So
2: Black Hack Day, we all get together in a dark room and everyone has three minutes to pitch their biggest hack or black hat tip that they can come up with. And then at the end, we vote, have a little celebration to see who's number one, and they win fabulous prizes. And then we all eat delicious food afterward. You're actually in a dark room? Is yeah. that just because the projector is on? No, we dim the lights, baby. Okay. Oh, all and right. we also get black hats. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'll have to bring mine in next yeah, week.
0: You'll have to bring that in. Okay, so digital marketers get around a table. They watch. They take turns giving presentations on their top hacks, and then they win prizes. Well, I talked to John, and I was like, "Hey, let's do Hack Vember. I mean, Hacksgiving. Hacksgiving. Either one works. Yeah. Hack Vember. Hacksgiving. And let's invite the top three or top four presenters from Black Hat Day to come on the show and present their hack, and the rest of us will dissect. So starting next week the beginning of November, we're going to have one of the digital marketers come on, share their hack. We'll talk through it. And for the month of November, we're talking digital marketing hacks. Love it. (laughs) Cool. Well, that's the end of the show. If you've enjoyed this episode, we invite you to leave a review and a rating on iTunes or any other platform in which you are listening to this podcast. You can reach out. You can offer up topic ideas. If you're interested in coming on the show, Last week we did Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Digital Marketing. If you're interested in coming on for that and winning or, or having a chance to win up to $100, you can reach out through email, inbound at below You can alternatively contact us through Twitter. Our handle is at belowthefold.io. You can reach us on Facebook. You can go to our website, belowthefold.io. That's it. Until next week, we'll catch you below the fold.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, I'm loving it.
3: BK Loud.